Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Hey, Randy, what you doing? Oh, hey, Dave. I'm just making a list of things that make me feel really, really good. Wearing Bombas socks. Trust me, that's number one on my list. Bomba socks feel so good because we use the smartest design and best materials, making them the most comfortable socks ever. Plus, because socks are the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters, we donate a pair for every pair purchased, and that feels pretty good too. To shop Bombas or learn more about how your purchase supports those experiencing homelessness, go to bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first purchase. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Free Krispy Kreme donuts thanks to a vaccine? Public health officials are squeamish. Scarlett Johansson is addressing her past controversies, and we're talking about the transformation of Justin Bieber with Elamin Abdul Mahmood. It's March 25th, 2021. Hey, friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. And Casey, today is a very special day because I hit a personal milestone that makes me feel like an asshole. Oh, okay. Continue. (laughs) I, as you know, I'm a big CrossFit person. Uh, Yes. And it's so funny. I've never said that on the show. Usually CrossFit people love talking about this, but I do not. Um, But today I surpassed the 300 pound uh, weight status of a front squat, which is a very big deal Thank you. Field. Thank you for telling so. me it's a big deal because I was about to have my excited voice. I was going to be like, congratulations. I don't know for what, but congratulations, Zach. I'm proud of you. It's genuine, but I cannot picture what you've accomplished because I don't understand it. Um, I appreciate that, Casey. I appreciate the love and constant support you give me. I truly didn't really think of it as a big deal until someone pointed it out to me this morning. They're like, that's 300 pounds. That's a lot. I was like, really? <gasps> Thank you so much. I mean, that is a lot. <laughs> but- that is a lot. It's a, it's, it's like a large, it's a large amount of weight. So, but I hear I need to take care of my back according to TikTok. Tell me more about this. Oh TikTok yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause I love that today you're now telling me this information of like, you've lifted 300 pounds. Meanwhile, I was just talking about how I watched this TikTok of people wearing each other like backpacks and like cracking their back. And so my sister and I tried it and then we both texted each other saying we had lower back pain. So <laughs> there is a difference between you and me. I think we already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> the difference is there. I, who who knew? I think you can front squat 200 pounds. Let's try. We'll try it. Yeah, day. sure. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. So now we need to talk about a story that I got involved in yesterday because I got so angry. <laughs> Basically, it starts off with this wild fight 
that's taking place on Twitter, and it's over Krispy Kreme donuts. It all started with Krispy Kreme offering a free glazed donut every day for the rest of the year to anyone who shows their COVID vaccination card, which, you know, is kind of nice. And it's honestly not anything out of the ordinary. Plenty of businesses are making similar offers. But Dr. Lena Wen, CNN's medical analyst, couldn't help herself and tweeted her disapproval at Krispy Kreme, adding that based on her math, eating a Krispy Kreme a day would cost someone to gain 15 pounds in a year. The Internet, of course, had a field day with this. People said, quote, I will be eating a donut a day just to spite Dr. Lena Wen. And, quote, over 500,000 people are dead. God damn. Can we eat? I hate this so much. And I was so glad that she was getting dragged. She has done really great work during this whole pandemic, being a voice of reason in the pandemic. But this is not reasonable. I also do not believe that a donut a day will make you gain 15 pounds. And also, this is how I got involved. I tweeted at her. So you're telling me that someone gaining 15 pounds is a bad thing? Like, like, um, that was insulting to me, too, especially because I was just I was just looking at a chart of the average amount of weight that people have gained during the pandemic. And 15 pounds is on the low end. Let me tell you. And it's just like people are struggling right now. So it's like, my God, where are your priorities here? Also, way to like rain on the parade. It's not like everyone's going to Krispy Kreme every damn day. People just now know like, oh, I will go once and get this thing. And then people will buy other donuts. Like, it's just like a gimmick. Really, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Right. It's just a gimmick because I've not had a Krispy Kreme donut since fourth grade when someone brought them into class. And now I am going to go do it to spite her. And then I will probably, you know, pay into capitalism by buying another donut while I'm there, which is their plan. And I'm okay with it because I'm feeling spiteful. (laughs) They knew their PR meeting was like some doctor is going to dunk on us for this and we will only see revenue triple because everyone's going to spite her. That's how capitalism works. We love that. Well, speaking of how capitalism works, Scarlett Johansson is reflecting on some of her past mistakes and controversies. (laughs) In an interview with The Gentlewoman, Johansson said it has been embarrassing for her in the past to have to admit when she was wrong. Some of those controversies included her defense of accused sexual predator Woody Allen and her role in the manga adaptation of Ghosts in the Shell. In this interview, she noted, quote, everyone has a hard time admitting when they're wrong about stuff. And for all of that to come out publicly, it can be embarrassing. But Johansson was also quick to point out that she believes it's, quote, unfair to expect actors to, quote, have a public role in society and be exemplary role models just because they're in the public eye. I didn't think that I could get more mad after the Krispy Kreme fiasco, but she chose the word embarrassing. Oh, she's embarrassed for playing an Asian character. Oh, she's embarrassed. Embarrassed for defending Woody Allen. Oh, oh, poor Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) This woman is one of the highest paid people, people, not just women, people in Hollywood. And she has the audacity to talk about embarrassment because you're over here collecting bags for doing problematic ass roles. Girl, get out of my face. Get out of my face. This is offensive. You should have never signed up for Ghost in the Shell. You should never have spoken about Woody Allen. What is wrong with you? Look at the culture. Look at your positioning. Look at who your husband is. Stop doing this. I'm sorry. And then she continued on and she says she thinks it's unfair for actors to have a public role in society. I'm like, what goes on in her brain? (laughs) My role, my fast, fun, hard role with this is if you're creating work in public, 
if you depend on the public to keep mm. you rich and to keep your career growing, then you have a responsibility to said mm-hmm. public. Mm-hmm. So I do not buy this whole, like, I'm going to be super, super, super famous and I don't have to be responsible for what I do and say in the public. No, if you're going to exist in public and make a ton of money in public, you're also going to be accountable in public. I'm sorry. That's how this works. If you don't like it, go work at Christmas. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> okay. So moving on, it's time to talk about Justin Bieber. He's got a new album out, and in case you haven't noticed, it's been a busy couple of years for him. He's gotten married and publicly dealt with some really heavy issues. It should have climbed to the top of the charts, and it seems like he's returning to his pop roots. But the question now is, can Bieber really reclaim his title as the reigning king of pop? To talk about this, we're joined by BuzzFeed News reporter Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. He wrote the piece, Is This What Justin Bieber Really Wants to Do? Hi, Elamine. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my God. It is my pleasure and joy. It's such a joy for me to have you, especially because I think I hear train tracks behind you. What, what is happening? Look, there is, there's a construction mess outside my place. You might hear a cling clanging. They're rebuilding a train track. I don't really know what's happening. All I know is I would like it to happen less. But okay, you know. so, your, so your ears are a bit ringing right now, right? Yeah, Constantly? yes, all the time. Okay, well, this is perfect because I have a very important question for you. It's about music. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the cling clanging of Justin Bieber's new album, Justice. What do you think about about it. What's your hot take on it? I obviously have feelings. Okay, but I got to start this conversation by asking, are, am I in a room of believers or am I in a room of heretics? Because it is it is important <laughs> to frame this conversation. If I'm walking into a room that's like, oh, we're skeptical off the rip, then I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta sell you on Bieber and then talk about this album. You have found, I cannot speak for Zach, me, I'm going to say I'm solidly in the middle ground. You can you can convince me either way. The choice I'm is yours. I'm middle too. I'm not like a believer, <laughs> but I would go to a believer concert and not be okay. mad the whole time. So I'm in the middle. Okay, ground. I love this. I love this energy. I love this energy. Okay. Um, I myself, I identify as a believer. Um, I've, I've been believing for a long time. And this is important to say from the start, because when I tell you about this album, like you have to also understand that I'm rooting for Justin Bieber. I'm actively rooting for this man to succeed. I would like him to succeed. Having said that, he did not. Like Justice is a very haphazard album. It makes very little sense in some places. The highs are amazing. They're transcendent. They're exactly what I, a believer, was looking for. But then you get into the lows and they're just kind of songs that are like, I don't know if this was the most interesting vocal choice for you, Justin. I don't know if this was something that makes use of his best vocal talent. So it's, for me, this album's all over the place. But having said that, it just like has these gems that I'm like, but this is why we believe to begin this with. This is the okay. believer I know. These yes. <laughs> Well, I feel like when you think about Beliebers and Bieber himself, I have a very specific like aesthetic I think about with his sound. But in this album, we're hearing a lot of Dua Lipa and Post Malone, which is just chaos to me to have these all these things mixing <laughs> together. So does he do this well? He's really trying to collapse all of pop music into one space right now. If you've been a fan of Justin Bieber, then you kind of know that he kind of oscillates between a bunch of different pop spaces. Uh, in purpose, it was this album that came out in 2015 that had, it was like a really big, big tent pop in a sense, like all the big EDM hooks, all the sort of acoustic songs. He was like, I'll just cover all my bases and do all kinds of pop. And Justice is kind of in a similar space. Like we see him working with the Monsters and Strangers who are this producer sort of collective. They were all over Dua Lipa's album from last year. We see him work with, uh, with Watt and Bell who are this duo without whom like, 
post Malone just would not work because they write so much of his like kind of, Hey, we're all going to hot box this room kind of vibe songs. Um, and, and they're great, but then, you know, he ends up working with them and he ends up taking on that vibe. There are a few of these songs that sound very much like, like belong on those albums. Um, there are songs on this album that sound like, Oh man, the weekend is having a really good time, you know, making the eighties come back. I should try to do that too. And like, fine if you want to do that like these are choices that you make to attempt to position yourself for the charts but at the same time i'm not sure that this is justin bieber's favorite thing to do like and i say this because i am a fan i've been following his career you know i remember in 2013 when he came out with journals which was this like weird little um collection of songs that were all mostly r&b and i was like my god this this man just let him do his little vocal runs. Like that's all he wants to do. He just wants to just like enjoy vocal runs in the middle of, I don't know, in the middle of the street, like he's busking still. And it's lovely. He did the same thing on the 2020 album changes. I find him aesthetically such a perfect fit for R and B music that when he tries to do this really big pop stuff, it to me is just like unconvincing. Okay. So I want to talk about changes because you point out the best songs off the new album are really R&B, not pop. And that was the focus of his last album, Changes. So why do you think he abandoned that sound to go back to pop, but maybe not pop because there's a lot going on? Justin, if you're listening and somebody's making you do this, you can <laughs> you can slide into my DMs. Blink twice. You, you blink twice. <laughs> you don't have to do this. This is not what you're built for, Justin. To me, Changes is a really interesting record because... It was his first album in five years. Like Purpose comes out in 2015. He takes five years off. And by the way, like taking that time off comes after going on the Purpose tour, doing 150 shows. He had 14 left of that tour and he just pulled the plug. He was like, I'm burnt out and came off the road. And like for a pop star to do that, that is a significant decision, I think. When Changes came out, the, the 2020 album, there was this documentary that was released accompanying it that said, well, look, um, you know, I was kind of at the edge. I was burning out. He has doctors who are in the Changes documentary who are like, this man was like really close to dying. Or like, uh, that's what he says. You know, he talks about how his security was finding him passed out every single night. Like the fame was killing him. To have him come back with this like intimate little R&B album that's that's changes in 2020 which was a success no big hits like can anyone really name a big bop off off changes like intentions is pretty good you know i did not know that he had an album last year yeah, this is it. i didn't either okay so this is kind of the point is that not knowing that Justin Bieber put out an album last year is kind of unusual for Justin Bieber or for someone with the fame of Justin Bieber and it worked out perfectly for him like he came out of this big pop machine he stuck the landing into this like let's make a little r&b record maybe people will listen to it maybe they won't and of course they did because um he's justin bieber like he still has that built-in fame but he just wasn't the same levels of purpose and he wasn't the same levels as when he first came out and it kind of seemed like it was healthy and the music was kind of grown and i really think you guys should play like eta off changes what's your eta that's a great song that just perfectly describes how the album more than 
this commercial product is just like a vibe. Like, is this like a, is this an album that you put on and just vibe for a bit? It's, it, it's great. Well, we need to take a break here because I want to keep going longer in this next part of this because Justin Bieber is always bewildering to me. So I want to hear more about this. Okay. So we'll be right back. Deal. <laughs> Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Conquer your New Year's resolution to be more productive with the Before Breakfast podcast. In each bite-sized daily episode, time management and productivity expert Laura Vanderkam teaches you how to make the most of your time, both at work and at home. These are the practical suggestions you need to get more done with your day. Just as lifting weights keeps our bodies strong as we age, learning new skills is the mental equivalent of pumping iron. Listen to Before Breakfast wherever you get your podcasts. Thursday, February 10th, kick off Super Bowl 56 weekend with host Keegan-Michael Key. Find out who will be named the AP Most Valuable Player, delivered by Pizza Hut, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year, presented by Nationwide, and more. Plus, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2022, delivered with Uber Eats, will be revealed. NFL Honors, presented by Invisalign, Thursday, February 10th at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, on ABC, NFL Network, and ESPN+. All times live except in the Pacific Time Zone. Welcome back. We're talking with Elamine Abdul-Mahmoud about the pop music landscape and Justin Bieber. All right, so let's talk about The Elephant in the Room. The album is called Justice. He samples Martin Luther King Jr. on this. And in fact, it's the first voice we hear on the album. And Martin Luther King has a writing credit in this, we all must point out. So is this album actually a reflective piece on a racial injustice, Elamine? Go. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if I was like, uh, actually, you guys don't know, but the whole album is based off an Angela Davis book and he just turned it into. No, there's no reference. (laughs) There's no reference otherwise to justice thematically, socially, metaphorically, anythingly. Like, it just doesn't occur. The album opens with a song. It's called Too Much. It's a song about how much he loves his wife. It's great. It's a cute little song. I'm sorry. But- wait, no. No. Elmina, I'm pausing you right now. The song that starts with Martin Luther King Jr.'s voice is a love letter to his wife. To his wife and a woman yes. from LA. Correct. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel not great telling you this because really the whole album is a love letter to his wife. It has nothing to do with justice whatsoever. And then you go on to the eighth track of the album. The album has 16 songs. So right in the middle, like, whoa, what a central position. You get this hundred second snippet of a different um, MLK speech. It's like he's only heard of MLK and nobody else, which is amazing. And it's like this speech about how if you don't find something to stand for, then you might as well be dead inside. And then it transitions to another song about his wife. Well, he's standing for his wife. He's standing for his wife. This is it. He's uh, Justin Bieber wants justice for wife guys. And that's what this album is about. There's otherwise no reference 
to justice and it truly is bewildering he's been trying to talk about it in interviews and i think like maybe that's the play here is like the play is like trying to land a news cycle or two but it is um it the mind it boggles you i'm just have I'm broken just, me this yeah, entire I'm interview done. has broken me at the beginning of this interview, you wanted to know what kind of people you were dealing with, like how evolved in this believer situation we were, right? And when you asked that question, you failed to tell us that he samples a speech from Martin Luther King Jr. But, <laughs> you failed to tell us that. That was on me. That, that was on me. 100%. But can I just say that like every bewildering decision, maybe I'm too much of a Bieber apologist, but every Bieber decision that is kind of bewildering, like I can never imagine Justin Bieber sitting in a room being like, yo, can, can we get MLK on this joint? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't compute. It feels like, it always feels like a, like a marketing decision, like a round table of people who are like, how do we make this the most relevant record? And that's exactly what I want Bieber to stop doing because I need him to like unplug from this machine. He does not need to make zeitgeisty records. He just needs to make like little intimate R&B records about how much he loves his wife and move on. And I think like that would be a great career choice for him. The song Peaches off this album is like, so good i've been listening to it non-stop i wish this album was just 16 different versions of peaches to be honest there is i think a, an artistic instinct that he has versus a commercial instinct that the people who manage justin bieber have and they're constantly kind of at bat with each other they're constantly clashing into each other and i don't know i don't know which one wins out in this record it's clearly like the commercial side that wins out I hope at a certain point, this man's 27 years old, like maybe when he turns 30, he'll be like, maybe I need to stop trying to sell a billion records and just like sell a couple hundred thousand to people who are like, yeah, I like vibe and R&B and like call it a day. Like that's a fine career, you know? Yeah. Then this is where my empathy comes in. You know, when we talk, when we talk about like who's really making these decisions and that really brings us to a lot of what you talk about in this piece, which is not just Bieber's music, but it's his struggles. And the fact that at the peak of his pop fame, he had to take a step back. It seems like he's in a different place in his life now, but his story really echoes ones that we've been seeing from Demi Lovato and Britney Spears about what the pop music machine does to young stars. Do you think those are fair comparisons to make? I do. At least on some level. I do. I do. I, th I think they're fair comparisons to make, particularly because they have told us with their own agency what the pop machine does to them, right? Like they have, you know, they've used their words, they've used their presence to say, it was not good for me to be the person who's doing 150 shows in 16 months. It almost killed me, according to Bieber, right? Like he was, he was sort of framing it as like, this almost damaged my health permanently. At what point do the machine's impulses take over and say, no, okay, like that record didn't sell as much as Purpose did. For God's sake, Changes had him working with Pooh Bear, who's like been one of his like long his collaborators and like Pooh Bear is like a 40 year old man who has been making R&B for two decades and on that album he sounded so confident so joyous he had space to breathe he didn't have the expectations of okay we're gonna put it on you to make this sort of grand record that you know better better sell out arenas and like there are so many songs on Justice that are like oh I'm gonna hear this at an arena and people are gonna be loving it and I was like yeah maybe they will it's gonna be fine but a, is this what Justin is best at? And B, like, is this what he wants to do? You know, I don't know. So, I mean, before we let you go, I have a very important question for you. 
not that not all these other questions were important, but this one I think is the most important. And you are a believer. You are a Canadian, which means you were paid through tax dollars to support this man. Um, if people didn't know that, that's why Canadians are so fierce about the loyalty here. I get this free health care like, yeah. to defend Justin yeah. Bieber specifically. Free actually, tied to supporting Justin Bieber, Google it. <laughs> So, but what you have said today is that Justin Bieber is not the pop king. He is not Michael Jackson 2.0, and he doesn't really want to be. And you can tell that in the music itself. So, who is the king of pop or the queen of pop right now? Who has that title? My face is that actually, like, since purpose, since Justin Bieber's purpose, that throne has kind of been vacant. Like, no real artist, no real man, anyway, has stepped up to claim that mantle. I do think that it has been a very furtive time when it comes to a bunch of different women occupying the space of dominating the charts, dominating, just making quality pop. I don't know if there has been a man that replaced Justin Bieber in this. I think a few have tried. Certainly, Shawn Mendes did not. Certainly, you know, Charlie Puth did not. I don't think anyone knows anything about Harry Styles to the point of like elevating him to that position. I would not put Bruno Mars in that position because Bruno Mars to me is like not a person, but a meme. Like I, like I genuinely don't know if Bruno Mars has any interiority whatsoever. Like, do you think when Bruno Mars wakes up in the morning, he thinks about Bruno Mars's place in the world? No, he doesn't because there is nothing there beside, like behind his eyes. There's just I'm obsessed with this. This, this, this took such I'm a turn, and I love this. it because Bruno <laughs> Mars is like ambiguous on every level, and he can be anything at all times for everyone. On every which level, I think he stands for, and I do not understand. And like, what I love most about him right now is that he's been the vessel for people to realize that Anderson Park is a genius and that's this all that's happening right now that's it but yes and like and, and bruno mars as a vessel has been his entire career like he has 100%. been merely a vessel for anything you want him to be and he's yeah. very good at shape-shifting and it's wonderful to watch but like do you know anything about him no will you ever know anything about him absolutely not most people don't even realize he's not black that's how like, out of touch we are that, yes. about who Bruno Mars is. And he's so famous, but people don't know who he is. It's wild. All of this is to say there hasn't been anyone like Bieber since Bieber. This is Bieber trying to return basically to the same, to an untamed pop landscape since he left. While at least on the women front, we've had a bunch of people, I would say most dominantly in the last four years or so, it's been between Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish. And like, we know a lot about those people. We know a lot about where they came from. We know a lot about what they put into their music and what informs it. It's just, you know, if you take away nothing else, it's just that Bruno Mars is a meme and not a real person. Yes. Uh, Elmine, I would like to sincerely thank you for joining us today to talk about Justin Bieber, a.k.a. Bruno Mars. Well, that's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, to soothe our rage over ScarJo, we're going to go grab some Krispy Kremes. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors, about bundling your home and auto. 
In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hello. I'm Minnie Driver, and on my podcast, Mini Questions, I put together a little experiment. I ask trailblazers across different disciplines the same seven questions. Questions about the inflection points in their life, what they like least about themselves, and what relationship has defined love for them. This season, I'm coming back with new trailblazers, like Blondie vocalist Debbie Harry. I did have a revelation. It was at CBGB's, as a matter of fact. I was waiting for the audience to give it to me, give it me. Then I realized that I had to make them. I had to command them. Artist and creative juggernaut, Goldie. And I walk up to the mountain, I hike up. Just being in that environment and seeing life and death in front of you, right in front of you. And I go up there and scream and cry and and, and laugh. And I find that being the happiest. And many more. Join me as we continue this exploration on season two of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of SI's new podcast, Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered some of the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. And now that continues on our show. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now.